so we got yet another gloomy day here in LA. Feels kind of weird, honestly. I feel like we've had a lot of them and they're pretty rare. But I'm taking it as yet another opportunity <laughs> to film a podcast just because something about rain makes me feel a little bit more vulnerable and more open. Like it's gloomy. Let's talk. Let's have an intimate conversation. And honestly, I was feeling like all over the place in terms of what I wanted this next podcast episode to be. I was, I had all these thoughts like, okay, I'm going to talk about people pleasing or no, I'm going to talk about relationships. Oh no, I want to talk about therapy. And <laughs> with all of that said, I started to get anxious about what I was actually going to talk about. And so I realized that it's better to just turn on the mic and see where this takes us. Even if we talk about all those things in combination, I keep feeling like I should break it all up and I should have these specific segments for each topic. But in reality, I think it all just kind of ties together. Um, something that I was thinking about this morning is my start of therapy. And I remember coming to my therapist and basically telling her how do I get confident? Can you teach me self-confidence? And one of the first things that she said to me was, I don't think self-confidence is really what you're looking for. And I was like, no, I, I promise it is. Like, that is what I need. I don't feel confident as a person. I feel like my relationship with myself is so off and everyone else just seems to have such a grip on themselves. And she was like, I think what you're looking for is self-acceptance. And it didn't really make sense to me until basically the end of therapy, which by the way, I am done with therapy. I had about three three or four sessions after I had like a big breakthrough and both my therapist and I just agreed that it's time. It was time for me to to be on my own. I felt okay to be on my own. And that doesn't mean that I'll never go back to therapy because chances are I probably will. I think that most people should be in therapy for a long period of time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But after nearly a year of consistently going pretty much once a week um, and really, really feeling like things have changed for me, I felt like I was ready, which is just such a, oh, it's a great feeling. <laughs> um, where was I? Oh yeah, <laughs> self-acceptance. I felt very unstable within myself. I really had no idea who I was. I felt like I was constantly functioning pretty much from my move to the US at 10 years old up until, I don't even know, like last year? I was constantly functioning in this state of, let's just get to tomorrow. Let me just get to tomorrow. Let me check off the things on my to-do list. And never really taking the time to sit with myself, never taking, I, I almost like could never be fully alone. And if I was alone, I would have to distract myself. I would have to have the TV on or be listening to a podcast or have music on or be doing something. I could not just sit in silence. Something about that was very scary to me. And I just realized that it's because 
I had no idea who I was. It's because at 10 years old, when I moved to the US, I started functioning in this fight or flight mode. Um, my move was really, was really hard. It was traumatic in a lot of ways. And I think that that was a very pivotal point in my personality. It almost kind of stunted me a little bit because I think a lot of kids will have that age to really get to know themselves and, you know, do the things that they like and, and make friends and figure out their personality. Whereas I was just constantly thinking, how do I fit in? How do I make friends? How do I not draw attention to myself? How do I get people to like me so that I can survive? Looking back on that is heartbreaking for me. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize that because afterwards, after things got a little bit better, um, after I had learned English and I finally made some friends and it felt like, you know, it felt like there was a rainbow in all this rain. Um, that was still a very, uh, that, that was still an experience that really shaped me. So from that point on, I was always functioning from a point of what can I do for other people so that I'm liked? so that they don't get upset with me, so that I don't find myself in a situation. Like I didn't like confrontation. I didn't like any kind of conflict in any sort of way. That to me was really scary. There are so many instances where I look back and I'm like, wow, if I had the better tools, if I had more self-love and self-acceptance for myself, I would have stood up for myself. I wouldn't have let this person treat me this way or I wouldn't have sacrificed so much of my own happiness for this other person. But I can't even really think that way because i that's what I learned. That's how I learned to survive. I remember being in fifth grade, which was the year that I moved. And it's so crazy because I literally had forgotten this entire memory. I didn't even know that I had it until we kind of went back in therapy and really she really helped me kind of get in touch with my inner child and that's when I realized that this is where all the trauma was this is where I really had to do the work but um I blocked this completely out of my memory it was fifth grade and a lot of the times I would find myself eating lunch like in the bathroom or I had this counselor who spoke Bulgarian and Bulgarian was she had like a little bit of knowledge in Russian and I spoke Russian, so we could communicate. It was very rusty, but she understood me. So I would sometimes get to eat lunch in her office. And we had some sort of assembly where we all had to sit in the uh, dining room or like the, the lunchroom area. And I remember sitting at a corner of a table. These were like very long tables and I had no one to sit with. And I had no friends at that point and everyone else around me was sitting in groups and this sounds like a scene out of a movie but really it was like living my worst nightmare at the time because I was just a kid and I remember this girl coming up to me and I knew she was saying mean things to me mean hurtful things but I couldn't really understand it so I just sat there and her and her friends were like around me and again this sounds like a movie. I don't know if this is, I don't know if things like this happen anymore. God, I hope not. But um, th that was actually a time where I had 
made a friend. My friend that was her and I were friends for a very long time after that. One of my best friends, Megan, she had stood up for me. She actually had a lisp. So her and I kind of connected because she had something that she was very, um, I don't want to say insecure about, but something that really impacted her as a kid. And it was this, the way that she was vocalizing herself, right? And I couldn't speak English, so I couldn't really vocalize myself either. So we sort of connected over that. But I remember her coming up to me at that lunch table and just sitting with me. That was the first time where I felt like I had a friend. So after that, my only thought was kind of, how do I get by? How do I get through without causing attention or bringing attention to myself. And so here we are. I'm 25 years old and I'm talking about an experience that I had when I was 10, which really shows like how much your childhood just sets the precedent. I don't know if that's the right word, but sets the tone for the rest of your life and how crucial and important it is. And after after middle school and after high school, I was always under this impression that like, you know what, I had, for the most part, I had a great childhood. And I would always say this to myself, it wasn't that bad. I mean, so what you were a little bit bullied. So what you didn't speak English for a year and a half, like, you're fine, you're getting through You're you're good now. And by doing that, I took away the opportunity to sit with myself and acknowledge that that was a very difficult time in my life. Would I change it? No. Do I think that my parents or my grandparents did anything wrong? Absolutely not. I think that everyone did the best that they could. But what I did wrong was that I didn't acknowledge and I did not give myself the space to feel that pain and heal through that pain, giving me so much more power rather than dismissing them. Because that led me to dismiss a lot of other things. That led me into a very long-term relationship that started off in high school where I, you know, I didn't really know who I was. So I kind of just threw myself into this other person and my opinions and my thoughts were always kind of shaped by this other person as well. And that's not to say that he was in the wrong or I was in the wrong. But again, I just never, I never had this space for myself. So actually, when I went through a breakup, we were actually, we were together for nearly six years. And when I went through a breakup with him, that was a big turning point for me because that was one of the first times in my life where I had really listened to myself and I was like, okay, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I need to leave this relationship. And it was almost kind of like me fighting my own brain because I was so used to being in situations where I wasn't happy, but disregarding that. I mean, I knew that my relationship was over for probably a year before it actually ended. And I know that there are a lot of people who are going to relate to that, especially women, because we are taught to that, that our worth is sort of because we're taught that our worth lies in marriage and in being chosen by a man 
Um, so it's hard. It's, it's harder to leave as a woman, I think, because of the way that society is set up. Uh, men are always encouraged to wait. They're encouraged to take their time and live out their life and figure out who they are. And then they get to choose from this pool of women, whereas we are taught that we are in competition with each other, that we have to be pretty and put together and intelligent and calm and motherly, but also sexy and intriguing. And that if more men want us, then we are more worthy. Anyways, so leaving that relationship was the first time in my life where I was like, wow, I, I did something out of character. I did something that is not something that me not accepting myself as a person and not knowing who I am, what my needs are, what my boundaries are, what I want out of life, what I really believe in, forced me to be a people pleaser. Because I realized that that's a way to survive. That's a way to get through life. And that's what I was doing. I was just getting through life. And it's easy to hide behind this. You know, when you are a people pleaser, it's easy to say like, well, I just love really hard. And yeah, you can love really hard. You can love the absolute most that you've ever loved, yet still not have to give up parts of yourself, not have to bend over backwards for other people, still honoring your own needs and desires and ideas and goals that you have. You can have all those things, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I thought that my worth lied in what I could do for other people. So leaving that relationship and knowing that I was going to hurt this person very badly was so difficult. Yet I found the strength to do it. And something that my therapist has helped me really kind of understand, and this was huge for me, was that I always kind of thought of myself as weaker. I was like, oh, I'm very emotional. I am an empath, which makes me just cry all the time. And that I associated that with weakness. But she was like, you know, look back on your life. There has been so many ways that you have so, so much strength that you've had inside you and so many scenarios that you've gone through. And you don't give yourself credit for that. And I didn't. I didn't give myself myself any credit because I kept making it a lesser thing. I kept being like, no, this isn't, this wasn't that big of a deal. You know, moving to the US at 10 years old wasn't that big of a deal. Then making a move to LA at 20 without having a job or a plan or anything. Oh, it wasn't a big deal. A lot of people do that. But that was a big deal. All those things are a big deal. Losing my entire family, pretty much, everything that I knew, my childhood, my friends, the foundation that I had at such a young age, and coming to a different country and starting over completely from scratch and almost by myself, because at that point, I really didn't know my mom. I mean, we didn't spend any of those very crucial years together. And that's now with me saying, like, I want, and and now her and I are the bestest of friends, but, and now her and I are so close. And now that years have passed, her and I are so close. But at that point, we weren't close. I was alone. I was completely alone. I got my period on the flight to the US, which I was, again, doing alone. Facing those things would have my parents hired like a stewardess to just walk me through the airport so that I didn't get lost. But 
um, and got my period on that flight for the first time ever. And that was traumatic. Holy shit. That just shows how stressed I was that on that flight to the U.S., I got my period and I had no idea what to do. And I remember being too embarrassed to ask the stewardess for anything. So I just like shoved napkins in my underwear. And then I had to land and I had to tell my mom who at that point, I didn't really, you know, I, I knew she was my mom, but I didn't have that connection with her yet. And I had to tell her that I had gotten my period and I didn't know what to do. Like all those little things that I dismissed those are all big things. Those are all things that I should have given myself credit for. I think that if I had done that, if I had just acknowledged the pain and then acknowledged that I got through it the best way that I could and I had the strength inside me to do it by myself, I would have made probably different decisions. I would have stood up for myself a little bit more. With all that said, though, I don't regret it. I don't regret the experience that I had and would I change it? I don't think so. The only thing that is really painful is just to know that I was constantly looking for love in other people because I thought that, you know, if I felt love from them, that was sort of a reflection to me. And then I would feel love for myself for a very brief moment of time. I thought that I needed to make other people like me and love me so that I would love myself because I was constantly looking for that validation from them. Validation that I'm worthy, validation that I am good enough. And that validation, it didn't last long. It never lasted long. And then I was left with this feeling of emptiness, feeling of just like, who am I? What do I really want? What do I really believe in? I don't know. I mean, that's it's a pretty hard way to live. But yeah, after my breakup, that was when I was really forced to spend some time alone. And I was also going through a lot of health issues at the time that I didn't, I didn't have a full kind of grasp on what was really happening. I was going from doctor to doctor. And if you guys follow me on Instagram or YouTube, then I'm sure you have a little bit of an insight as to what happened at that point. But going through that experience on my own with the help of like my mom um, and other family members, it really helped me just realize that I'm okay on my own. I can I can handle things. And I needed help and I definitely needed to get therapy. But nevertheless, that was a big indicator for me that I can handle life. <laughs> Whatever life throws at me, I can handle it. And I have to start giving myself a little bit more credit. Not really sure if this is a what I was thinking for this episode, but this is where we're going. Is confidence what you really need? That's something you have to ask yourself because people who are confident, they have fully accepted themselves for the complex person that they are, for their weirdness, for their what society would like them to think are their insecurities, what should be their insecurities when in reality, like if you just accept those things and you won't be insecure about them, so they can walk into a room and they can own that room because they know that they don't have anyone else to impress because they know that if they are looking at another person, they're not looking for a reflection of who they are. They're simply looking at them for who this person is rather than 
what does this person think of me and how do they feel about me? And I could never understand that. And it's crazy because, you know, I'm on social media. I'm getting comments about me <laughs> all the time, about my appearance, about my voice, about my life, decisions that I've made, whether people think that I'm stupid or pretty or if I have a nice body. And again, being someone who saw that as a reflection of myself, I was always very confused. I was like, oh, what am I? Tell me what I am. Can you tell me? So if I'm getting more comments that I'm anorexic, does that mean I'm anorexic? Okay, now I'm getting more comments that that I'm bigger. Does that mean I'm bigger? I had no clue of what I thought about myself. So I had no clue of what I really thought about myself. You get kind of numb to those things. Obviously, you start to realize that there are there are people who just have nothing to do with their time. And um, that's okay, too. You know, I signed up for being online. I signed up for showing my life. And I had to just grow some thicker skin. But it doesn't mean that it didn't slowly but surely create this idea of who I thought I was. I'm going to take a little break <laughs> to have a sip of my matcha, which by the way, I am switching to matcha now. I've been drinking coffee for a very long time and it just like doesn't affect me anymore. And you guys, I'm a big coffee person. It's not to say I won't go back to coffee. Actually, I promise you guys here, I will most definitely <laughs> be going back to coffee. Um, but I think that it, like a two or three week break is going to be really good for me. I think something else I want to talk about is if you are a people pleaser, like what you can do and things that I learned in therapy and through listening to different podcasts, what you can do to help yourself and help, help at least put yourself in the same category, in the same worthiness of your attention and your time as other people, right? I think it's really hard to jump from being a people pleaser to all of a sudden not being a people pleaser, just like you can't jump from having really negative thoughts about yourself to very positive thoughts. You want to kind of go for neutral stuff first. You want to build this little bridge for yourself from the negative to the positive. And I think it's the same with people pleasing. It's not like you're going to be able to just go from saying yes all the time to then saying no. So what you can do and what I've I've been doing and what's helped me a lot is really establishing your own boundaries, what you're okay with, how much time you're okay with giving to other people, how, how many people do you have in this very close inner circle where you will just drop everything for and help them, which is okay. That is what you do for people that you love. But I think that, it again, it's really important to just have certain boundaries. And a boundary within yourself can be something like, Next time someone needs something from me, whether it be my time or my help or, or whatever it is, just take a moment to think about it. You have to fight that urge that automatically wants you to say yes, just because you want to please other people. Say, hey, I'm not sure yet if I can go to this event or I'm not sure yet if I can help you, but let me get back to you in about 30 minutes. By giving yourself that time, you're not necessarily saying no to that person, right? Which I know can be scary. I know that that can be 
intimidating for you because then you feel like, oh man, if I say no, then this person's not going to like me. And then if they don't like me, then that's going to, like, it's, a, it's like the circle, right? If they don't like me and I don't know if I like me, then I'm going to start to feel like I shouldn't like me just because this person doesn't like me. You guys get it? It's like this, you think that they're going to validate your own thoughts about yourself. So just give yourself the time. Give yourself the time to think about it. Another thing you can do is set a time limit. You can say, hey, oh my cat is outside. Okay, I will let you in. <laughs> my dog is now eating in the background. My cat might be meowing, but regardless, we're going to continue. So set a time limit. If you say yes to something, if you say yes to helping someone, say, hey, I can do it from 10 to 12, right? And really stick to it. And stick to it not for anything else besides for just really... And stick to it because by doing that, what you're telling yourself is that you are worthy of your own time. You are worthy of your own effort, your own love, your own care that you put into other people like i swear to you guys when i walked into therapy i had no faith in it at all i really like <laughs> i remember thinking like okay i'm gonna do it just because i feel like i should almost but i didn't think it was gonna help me i thought that i would always be anxious about the future that's another thing i did Another thing that was really, really hard for me was I was constantly trying to predict the future. I was always playing out different scenarios in my head, constantly thinking about three different things at the same time and what I would do in each scenario. And the reason I was doing that was just because I wanted to be prepared for anything. I felt like if I could predict it, then it would hurt less. If I could be prepared for it, then that would cause me less pain. And you know what? That's total bullshit. <laughs> because even if I predict it, it still hurt just as much. All that it meant was that I had worried about it twice. I had put myself through the pain of it twice. One time when it wasn't happening and one time when it was. So something else that I've learned is to just really focus on the present what information do you have right now and what you can control. There's just no need to try to predict the future and worry about the future because you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. And then when the good stuff happens, and a lot of the times it does, because really you're you're just preparing for the worst, right? You're never preparing for like things to go right. At least I wasn't. <laughs> Um, I was never like, oh yeah, this is totally going to work out and I'm not going to worry about anything else. I was constantly thinking like, this is going to go to shit and then I'm going to have to deal with it. So let me just be ready now. And that makes you just live in a constant state of low grade anxiety. <laughs> like I would wake up and then I would have nightmares all the time. And those nightmares would be of me like thinking about the future and thinking what will happen and trying to be ready for that. So then when the good stuff happens, you start to feel like, whoa. I just went through all this stress for literally no reason. And then when the bad stuff happens, you still think like, I just went through all this stress for no reason because I'm still going through it. It's still happening and nothing has changed. It's very interesting because you hear that all the time. I mean, I heard that before therapy. <laughs> I knew that there was no need to stress about the future because you can't control it, nor can you predict it. This was one of my longest episodes and I don't even think we talked about anything super specific, but I really enjoyed it. 
I'm really struggling with like YouTube right now because I've just realized that, that like I enjoy filming this podcast so much more than anything else. And obviously it's because it's brand new and it's interesting and I get to learn new stuff, but I also think that starting this new platform just as a person that I am now and I feel like I'm completely different, completely 180 from the person I was like a year ago. It's it's just a great feeling because I don't feel like I have to reinvent myself. I don't feel like I have to transition into something else. Like this is just who I am and this platform and the stuff that I'm talking about and thoughts that I have is 100% who I am right now. And maybe, you know, maybe in a couple of years, I'll look back and I'll think, shit, now I have to <laughs> I have to do this all over again. I have to transition into something else all over again. But, you know, on YouTube going from, and on Instagram as well, going from fitness to now health and lifestyle and fashion and mental health and all these different topics, it's it's been a little bit rough. Um, whereas here, it just feels, it feels great. Because this is this is all you know on this platform. I am going to go ahead and end it here. This might have been the longest episode. I guess it depends on how I edit it, of course. <laughs> Ooh, thank you for giving me this space to freely talk about everything and anything and all the thoughts that I have in my mind, which is obviously a lot. I'm not sure if this was scattered or all over the place, but I would love to know what you guys think. Um, yeah, I've been reading all of the comments on Apple Podcasts and... Oh, they just make my day. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you guys in the next one.